The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. What a huge soundtrack that was. I was a huge, still am a huge Prince fan. As a 14-year-old girl in 1984, I had the album. I had the Prince poster in my room um, and just was... um, Well, I grew to appreciate the musical genius of Prince over the years and was lucky enough to have seen him in concert a few years back before his passing here in Edmonton. Um, But I want to have a conversation not just about Prince, but about music in general, because listen to these names, David Crosby, Graham Nash, David Byrne, the Bare Naked Ladies, and Prince, those are just some of the incredible artists our next guest worked with during her hugely successful career as a sound engineer, a rare position for a woman during that time. She is now a professor of music production and engineering at Berkeley College of Music in Boston, but sharing her stories, especially those of her time with the legendary Prince in a series of speaking engagements with the University of Alberta and one of them taking place tomorrow night. Susan Rogers joins us this afternoon. Dr. Rogers, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. I wish I could be with you guys there in person, but um, (laughs) I'm home in Boston. Well, you know what, Dr. Rogers, I think that if you were here in person sitting across from me, I wouldn't let you I wouldn't let you out of the house probably for 24 hours because <laughs> I have so many questions for you. Wow, I, I, I guess I, I want to start with with this question. Your your passion for music, your love, what was it? When did you feel that pull? I, I always kind of describe it as almost like a hook behind the belly button when you hear something mm-hmm. that just connects musically. Who was it? What was it for you that just grabbed you? You know, I wish I had a really, really good answer for that, but it's <laughs> such a wonderful mystery. Uh, I, I think, I believe that children, if you leave them alone and don't tell them who they are, you let them discover that for themselves. I think <laughs> down deep inside, little kids kind of know. At least for me, I, I felt like as a child, it felt like music was was true. It felt like it was right. It felt, at least the music that I liked anyway, it felt like it was something important. So I always had a sense, ever since I was quite young, that, that I wanted to be involved with it somehow. And I also had a sense that my involvement probably shouldn't include playing or writing or singing. <laughs> I felt zero desire to do any of those things. And in contrast, I felt a really strong attraction to records. I, I wanted to be somehow involved in records. I was too young to have the words for it. I didn't know how that would happen. But as I grew up and I learned about things like recording engineers and studios, uh, that seemed to make just perfect sense that I would have a, a life somehow involved in making records. 
So you dropped out of high school and ended up working as a studio technician with David Crosby and, and Graham Nash, then hired by Prince as a, a staff tech in the early 80s. And, and he promoted you to engineer, sound engineer. And at that time, I highly doubt there were many of you in that role. What was that like? Yeah, there were so few women then in the technical role. Um, of course, it's, it's so much easier when you have role models. There weren't role models then. There aren't that many now, but a lot of women just aren't interested in that side of it. But I was one who was, and, and, and I really enjoyed my work. I, I enjoyed repairing consoles and tape machines. This was in Hollywood in my 20s and working for Crosby, Stills and Nash at their studio. But my dream came true in 83 when Prince was looking for a technician. So I moved to Minnesota and um, started on the work as a technician. But he was making the Purple Rain album. Getting, he, he just started it. He was getting ready to make the Purple Rain movie. His life he knew was going to change and his whole operation was going to get an awful lot bigger. So he asked his management to find him a, a technician from LA or New York. Get him somebody who, who had worked in the business. Um, they found me and um, then after I did the, the tech stuff with him, he just didn't bother drawing a distinction between an engineer and a technician. <laughs> he was just as happy to have me sit in the chair and do the engineering work, which was a stretch. So, you know, I knew the equipment really well, but I didn't know artistically how to operate the equipment. But that actually ended up being perfect for him because he had his own sound and he could teach he me did. what he liked, the sound that he preferred, and then I could just do that. You look at those albums that, that you worked on, uh, 1984, Purple Rain, uh, Around the World in a Day, when you look at uh, Raspberry Beret and Pop Life, Parade, Sign of the Times, uh, that single, which I think came out in 1987, which is as, as, um, as uh, relevant today as it was then. Mm -hmm. I mean, that tune on its own and the Black Album, which I don't think ever, did it ever get re released? I'm not 100% sure on that one. But you you helped craft some of these biggest hits for him. You were a part of that. I have heard over and over again that, um, that he was an absolute perfectionist. And if you've ever seen him in concert, um, you, you've seen it on stage. But for you at that time, what is it like working for a perfect perf for a perfectionist? I'm guessing that you were, um, you know, beck and call at any time when the when the moment hit and he had to do something, mm -hmm. it was getting done at that moment. That's true, and um, I've been asked about that about Prince as a perfectionist, and I don't think he was one. No, what he okay. was uh, what looks like perfectionism was actually an extraordinarily high level of technical competence. So if he were a perfectionist, he certainly wouldn't have had me as his engineer, that's for sure, <laughs> because I wasn't the best engineer around. I was a beginner in terms of engineering skills then. But he, um, his ideas were coming so fast. I believe that he was hyper-creative. In my understanding of how creativity works today, he was an extraordinarily creative human being. And he had the technical skills on so many instruments. Mm. The way he could play drums 
was he, he would have been known as a drummer if he had done just that but he was he was even better than that on piano and better than that on guitar and an extraordinary vocalist so what you hear on those records which sounds like perfectionism and would have taken other people much more time to achieve prince could just do bam 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 one item after another he he um made it look easy and 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 it, w it wasn't but it was due to uh having woodshedded for all those years in his youth and worked so having worked so hard at becoming a great musician he was certainly willing to let a lot of things slide like he would let he would let technical errors slide if, if it felt to him like a happy accident he would <laughs> let things that um other people might have said oh well that needs to be redone if it came out of him and it felt right he would let it go a perfect example is the song the cross on the sign of the times album in the drums yeah. speed up pretty fast he played the drums on that on that song he played everything on it and the drums speed up pretty fast very very far from perfect but it expressed the song the way he wanted to express it so he was fine with it he would totally let that go Dr. Rogers, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on uh, his um, thought. Well, you know, just I, I think Prince, Prince always came across as, you know, incredibly sexual. And, um, you know, you listen to some of his his well music a lot of his music is incredibly sexual I, I think if I'm just going back to the Purple Rain album I think of Darling Nikki right and and I can remember the first time hearing that as a 14 year old girl going oh my goodness I can't let my parents hear this right but I I, I think that I, I wonder if if that was misconstrued and and the thought that he was overtly sexual and maybe disrespectful to women. If if you think otherwise, and in fact he had a huge respect for women. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I think there's a nuance to Prince's expression of sexuality that is sometimes lost on people who aren't deep fans of Prince. I think it's exemplified by his song, Do Me Baby. Mm. That totally, it was a B-side, but that song totally expresses what he really enjoyed the most, which is giving all the power to the female. The lyrics <laughs> in that song, he's inviting her to do him. He's, mm. he's relishing letting her be completely in control. He uh, truly loved women and was always so respectful to me uh, and respectful to the women he worked with, whether they were on his staff or in his band or as his engineers, which was myself and Peggy McCreary out at Sunset Sound in Los Angeles. He, he was respectful to us. He gave us positions of power because he enjoyed that. He enjoyed living in a world where men and women were pretty equal and where you could pass the ball back and forth between you. Um, he did not use, in, in the time when I knew him, I don't know if he did before or after, but he did not use profanity. He did not uh, engage in the, a lot of the bacchanalia that we associate with rock stars. Uh -huh. <laughs> that, that wasn't him. He was actually personally very conservative, in, and he held some unexpectedly conservative views. Uh, he, he expressed desire and lust in his lyrics but if you listen really carefully you can hear that 
What he wants is a shared experience. He doesn't want to conquer. He doesn't want to be uh, hovering over women in power or in domination. He wants to share with them. Uh, I, I felt very respected in his company. I uh, certainly was. And, um, and I, I hope that people would listen carefully to his lyrics and recognize he was not a sex freak. He enjoyed it, <laughs> but, but he, was not, he was not a threat uh, to women. It's been one week since you looked at me. Cock your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying get back together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realize it's all my So after... Susan Rogers finished working up with uh, Prince. She went on to work with David Byrne. Of course, you know, he was the lead singer of Talking Heads and a, and a great solo act as well, uh, a rap artist by the name of Tricky as well, and ended up working with the Bare Naked Ladies. She was given three weeks to work on the album Stunt, which produced that huge hit. Susan, what did that allow you to do? Well... The success of the Stunt album allowed me to do something I had been pondering for some time, which was uh, I wanted to go to school. I wanted to go to college. I thought that I might enjoy that sort of thing. And it uh, turned out I was right. I did enjoy it. So uh, back you in left. the old days before... Hello? Yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, okay. Back in the old days uh, before Napster and file sharing, <laughs> if you were a royalty participant, as producers were on records, you'd get a big paycheck. And with that big paycheck, you could uh, build a home studio or pay off your mortgage or do what I did, which is quit your job. And uh, I entered college as a freshman at the University of Minnesota, did four straight years, and then had the great good fortune to be accepted into McGill, a PhD program there. And I studied at McGill under Daniel Levitin, who was there for a while, and he wrote This Is Your Brain on Music, and I, I was in his lab and studying music perception and cognition. I also studied under Stephen McAdams in the Department of Music there, a great, great psychoacoustician. That was a wonderful time. So as an expert in music cognition, uh, I, I've always wondered, do, do, what, what is it about music and how is it that it's satisfies us what, what what does it stimulate what is it that that connects us to certain tunes and and not to others mm, it's so remarkable and that's a question that scientists have been exploring for a long time i'm looking at it too in my current research project and we're a long way from answering that question and we're also a long way from predicting whether or not someone is going to like a given song it has <laughs> to do with a number of things it has to do with um, exposure what you've been exposed to in the past your appetite for sensation seeking risk risk taking how open are you to new ideas in music it has to do with the kind of fantasies that you enjoy um, where does your mind go when you listen to music that's my current research project right now and I was amazed to discover how much variety there is among music mm. lovers when it comes to the sort of daydreams or fantasies you have while you're listening to your favorite music. And then there's the actual components of music itself. The elements of music will speak to us 
in different ways depending on what sort of rewards we're seeking. So when we want to move, we like the rhythm to be just a, just the right tempo with just the right feel that appeals to our individual bodies. And uh, when we're in certain moods, when we want to match our mood or change our mood, we might want a melody that does this, that, or the other thing. And the same thing with, uh, with lyrics and how we connect with lyrics. When we're young, we often rely on music to help us solve problems, to help us know how yeah. to be in school and how to flirt and how to what we want to be when we grow up and how to talk to our parents. So music performs this utilitarian function and what ends up happening is when something takes care of you, when something solves problems for you, when something makes you feel better, you tend to bond to it. So sometimes we like music just because it evokes nostalgia and those feel-good memories. We have a soft spot in our heart for it. Other times we bond to it because we cognitively appraise it and we think that's damn clever. You did that well. <laughs> There's so many reasons why we might like a given piece of music. I remember <laughs> I was talking with an interviewer uh, last year and uh, we were comparing notes on the music we like and I was describing rhythms usually in rock music that cause your body to want to move up and down and she said oh that's my favorite kind of movement to music and I said <laughs> wow that's so funny that's my least favorite kind uh, R&B music I, I like the push and pull of that yeah. rhythmic gesture and then of course this music from Latin America where it's more side to side it's more hip rock music yeah. and hip hop tend to be more up and down all of us have our likes and dislikes, and that's shaped and, and met. Our expectations are met through music, or they're not met. In that case, we'll never really like it. Fascinating stuff, Susan. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I've got about a minute left with you before I want to let the listeners know about how they can uh, find out more about uh, the, the, the uh, presentations you're doing at the U of A. Who, who do you think is, is putting out great music right now? Who, who, do you, who are you appreciating right now oh it's it's funny you should ask because i didn't know how much i should should talk about tennyson tomorrow uh, i know they're from edmonton <laughs> i think they're wonderful yeah. i really think they're great it's one of my my favorite new new artists right now uh i like um I, I like the direction they're heading in. I, I, I strongly believe that they will be imitated a lot, and that the style that they're doing right now is going to be is going to be copied. It, I think they're onto something. An idea whose time has come. Uh, because I'm older and I've listened to so much music, I don't need it to perform the same function that a younger person does. I, I've got a. I've got a, a large catalog of, of music that I can turn to. Mm-hmm. But Tennyson is one band that really stands out to me. I like, uh, or I can appreciate the style of Little Baby. I like um, some of what I'm hearing from uh, Haley Williams, and I love Lana Del Rey. So mm. there are a lot of new artists whom I really admire. But Tennyson is one of those ones who... Uh, seem to to my ear reflect the music of me and that's a, a delightful surprise 
Well, uh, there's a, a couple of events uh, being held tomorrow, virtual events through the University of Alberta. Prince, the man behind the women, uh, the man behind the women, and getting record ready, music psychology for record makers. These are going to be live streamed tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to say don't miss it. Uh, I'll be tuning in. I always already told some friends of mine who are huge Prince fans as well to be tuning in. Uh, Dr. Rogers, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. I look forward to these talks tomorrow, and I always enjoy the conversation on music and especially on Prince. Take care now. Dr. Susan Rogers, again, if you want to find out more and check out these these virtual events that she's doing tomorrow, you can visit uh, the University of Alberta shows concert listings. That's all you have to do is Google that or Google Susan Rogers, University of Alberta. You can sign up and uh, tune in.